and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. We have a, a smaller group than normal. We only have four of us here today, uh, and we're going to be covering something kind of special. And we have a special guest with us, a returning guest, Nigel. So we have Brian Hughes. Hi. Kirk Greenfield. Good evening, guys. And all the way from the other side of the world, we have Nigel. Hello. Yeah, nice Hello. to be back. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to turn this over to you, Nigel, because this was your idea. So okay. if you want to tell us a little bit what we're going to cover, and I guess we could kind of talk about our history with it. Okay. Well, uh, this is a book uh, that was done by John Byrne in uh, 1990, I believe. Um, but it's a little bit different in that it's a 3D graphic novel. Um, so it's kind of more visually attractive, shall we say, than uh, ordinary comics. And what I thought was interesting about it, it's, it's not in color, of course, um, because of the 3D effect. But as I say, it's more visually exciting. And John Byrne's not done exactly a lot of stories uh, involving Batman. So I, I thought it would be interesting to cover this book. It's a little bit different. It's kind of a one-off. So, yeah. And you, you picked this up off the newsstand, right? Or did you come across it later? Yeah, I'm trying to think... Uh, as I say, it came out in 1990. I can't remember whether I actually got it as it came out or maybe a year or so after. But yes, I got it. I bought it from my local comic shop. Yeah. In the early 90s. And I was, uh, I if I've read this, I it's completely blank from my mind. It looks a little familiar. The cover looks very familiar. I yeah. don't seem to have it in my database. So if I own it, I haven't made a record of it. So I don't know if I just missed this when it came out. I think you had it. You picked it up, didn't you, Brian? Yeah, I, I got this uh, right when it came out. And um, I had not opened it because mine came in a plastic bag that had the 3D glasses with it. Um, I don't know if it was brand new or if it was like secondhand and they'd sealed it up. Actually, if I remember right, I picked it up at a Larry Con. Hmm which was like a creation convention. And yeah, we, um, so, uh, you know, I got it home. I put it with my stuff. And I I think I'd picked up both of the, golly, what was that? The, there was another series that was coming out wrapped in plastic at the time. But I don't remember what it was. But I, I'd put them aside and I'd never gone back to open it up. And um, I made the mistake years later when the Batman black and white stories were being done in, I guess, 2000. I thought it was reprinting that story, so I never went back to look at it. Well, we'd say this is a like a deluxe one-shot graphic novel. It's got the square bound back. Um, I don't think there's any ads in it. I think it was, uh, I think it's 48 pages, close to, and then it's got a uh, backup story in the in the back. That's 13 from the page 50s. story. Yeah, yeah it's a reprint. The Robot Master, I think. That's a reprint of a 3D book yeah. from the, uh, the 50s. And it's got some pinups too in it, so it's a big deluxe book. Uh, it came with 3D glasses, which yeah, uh, I can't find. I know I've got a box of them that I bought years ago when I graduated college. Uh, they're packed away somewhere, so I wasn't able to read this 
with the 3D glasses. I've I read it. Um, yeah, like it is. And, uh, yeah. and I never I never took my glasses out of the book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 I know I will find my 3D glasses tomorrow. <laughs> because <laughs> and so I read this off of uh, off of my Kindle, but I've got it. I, I mean, this is the story's been re reprinted in a few places, but most notably in the uh, the the DC Universe by John Byrne, right? And as, that as black and book, white. that book itself has uh, made the rounds uh, in just an amazing place. I, I found it at Ollie's for I think it was seven bucks. Wow, that's a deal. At Ollie's, but it's also something you're able to get rather cheap on Amazon uh, as a Kindle book. So, yeah. I mean, that's – and that's got a lot of stories in it, a lot of good stuff. It's got the Ganthet's Tale, uh, the Hawkman story, Sword of the Atom – not Sword of the Atom, I'm sorry, Power of the Atom, and uh, a bunch of other non-Superman um, stories uh, that, uh, that Byrne did while he was doing a, a lot of his DC stuff. It has a Silent Night story we covered for yes. Christmas, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We should also say this is the same duotone technique he did for OMAC, where it's the special paper that he, and we covered at Brian, now I can't remember. He uses a special ink on it, and it makes almost like a um, zipatone appear. Yeah. Um, is that right? Yeah, um, and this is, um, uh, I know there was some discussion about how it looked uh, in certain in certain realms, because uh, I mean, th th looking at it in the the Kindle version, it's gorgeous, and I, I kind of get the feeling that this is what he wanted to do with Omac. But because DC said they would probably reprint Omac in color, that they wouldn't let him go full force on the on the. It was like Duo Shade, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, but some pr uh, some printings of this. Uh, that, that are not in 3D, uh, the the duo shade doesn't translate very well, though it does translate really good in the uh, the Kindle and also in the uh, DC Universe by John Byrne. Yeah. I've heard some people remark that this was reprinted in Spain yeah. uh, as black and white and that the, the duotone didn't come across very well. It, I think that's it. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what, that, where I'd read that as well. We can imagine and, if he had done OMAC as a 3D book. That would have been... I'd like to see that. Well, do we... Well, you brought, well uh, uh, Brian, you've got some news. Do you well, wanna, I mean, we the two off? bits. And, and, you know, just... Uh, I'm sure everybody knows this by now. It's been, it's made uh, made the rounds for everybody except for Kirk, who's been traveling. But uh, And he just found out a short while ago that... Uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman from the Batman the Animated Series, and probably one of the most definitive voices of Batman in all Batman lore, uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 66. And uh, it was, you know, no, 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 no just a, a coincidence that we happen to be recording a Batman story uh, here. But I'll tell you this, as I was reading this, I was hearing Conroy's voice for Batman. And that's weird because typically I hear Adam West voice. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, in this story, I kept hearing uh, Burgess Meredith as the Joker all the way through. And <laughs> and but I heard Mark Mark uh, Hamill's Joker. 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 Well, yeah. Is, I'm sorry. Burgess Meredith's Penguin. I mean, yeah. This has got a very some of the dialogue is very uh, Batman 66. I think yes. it's got a little bit of feel right. to that. Yeah. 
Um, but, but the physical and, and the, you know, the thing is, is when I uh, was looking at a lot of Burns Batman stuff here and there, the one thing I, I, I always said it kind of had a Dick Sprang kind of look to it. But the more I look at this and I see like the Riddler's face at one side or the other, I think he is aping a lot of the Batman characters from the Batman 66 TV series opening. You know, that animated bit that shows all the yes, villains coming in definitely. from one side of the other. And the Riddler's not even in that. Yeah. But it's got that kind of look and feel to it. Now, I don't know if that's Dick Sprang or if that's Bob Kane or or what. You know, I, 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 know. I, I tried to do a little bit of research today trying to find out, you know, what was the artistic influence that created the, that opening segment. And well, it seems like there's probably Bob Kane with a little bit of others in it. But I, I don't know necessarily Dick Sprang. There are uh, panels in here when he's doing the Joker that you can really tell that he's pulling influence from Dick Sprang, the way he's yeah. constructed Joker's face, because he tended to draw him a little more. Um, oh, and I, I'm not up on my. So you're going to tell me out in this, Brian. Is it Jim Aparo that's a definitive kind of Joker, or is it more uh, Neil Adams that did the kind of lanky, well, long-faced Joker from the? 60s, Jim Aparo, Neil Adams, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, uh, all, all together, uh, you know, had a Joker that was definitive in that kind of vein. And when Byrne did Joker in Superman 9, he did it along those lines as well. So I, I think that they just have a very similar model, all of them. Yeah. Well, he switches, he seemed to switch back and forth in this book where he's doing his yeah. version, he's doing the Dick Sprang version. Because um, it, it, later in the book, there it it, it in the um, there there are many scenes where Joker looks almost like uh, Brian Boland's. Uh, the mm -hmm. the profile shots of him look like Brian Boland's. The head on almost looks like, um, and it's funny because the he hadn't even been around yet. Cameron Monaghan, who played uh, uh, one of the Joker types on the Gotham TV series. Uh, he, he he kept reminding me of him there, which Cameron Monaghan kind of looks like a young Jack Nicholson. So I guess, uh, you know, there was that influence. That yeah. movie was just a year old when this uh, book came out. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of Jack influence there, especially there's one page where it just looks like Jack in the face. Um but I mean, it's, it, I, I know some you guys, both of you have worked on a synopsis for this. Uh, definitely want to hear your, your uh, take on the story um, and definitely want to get into it on the art. So uh, who's going to who, – is it well, Nigel's going to start off? Yeah, before we yeah, get there, we kind of – we hold on. We we yeah. kind of passed up Kirk because I know Kirk had not read this. Oh, that's before right. we started. <laughs> but did I'm you get a chance to kind of – I'm in the process of skimming it right now, guys. Okay. Oh, you didn't get to read it? I'm up to page 42. I wasn't aware we were doing this until just – just a little bit before we started recording. Uh, now, for those study. who don't know, Kirk has been traveling across the country. He's been yeah. uh, fighting yeah. hurricane hurricanes yeah. and He's not um, exaggerating. failing failing automobiles. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, you know, we we give him uh, every every bit of uh, we'll, we'll give throw him all the rope that we can, and uh, he's not going to hang himself or anything. So, yeah, we're. Just glad he was able to join us and make it without uh, too much injury and loss of. Uh, I don't. I don't know how bad it hurts you financially because it sounds like it was a rough trip. I won't be buying anything for quite a while here, guys. 
we're, huh. we're happy that you're I'll leave uh, it at that. <laughs> you're uh, you're back home safe and um, yeah. He's on a new mic and he's sounding great. So uh, yes, by the way, a tip of the hat. Thank you, Tim, for your generous oh, uh, donation. No, you're more than welcome. I hope I sound good. Sound good. Now, Kurt, um, didn't you also uh, donate your uh, latest pint of blood? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I am one pint short of 21 gallons. Just mm -hmm. shortly after the first of the year, I anticipate if all goes well, I'll be giving my last pint. So now, uh, over how many years is that? 67. Oh, uh, since college. So I guess that would be over about 45 years. There was a period where I wasn't a regular donator and I kind of drifted away right in the middle when a friend dropped out of the Red Cross. But, uh, you know, I picked it up again and have been quite regular. So 21 gallons, not 21 pints, 21 gallons, eight pints amazing. per gallon. That's 167 pints. Okay. Yeah. Anybody that wants to surpass Kirk on this, don't do it all at once. It won't work that <laughs> no. way. No, no, and avoid vampires. Yeah. And surprise. Yeah. Hey. Uh -oh. Is that John? That's David. No, that's David. <laughs> David, I'm sorry. I'm I'm on a different page. <laughs> Welcome hey. back, David. Welcome to the fold. We hey, got Jeff. Nigel here. Of course, Kirk and, and Tim and I. Um, how are you doing? Tired. Works, Have man. you read this book, The Batman 3D? I have it in my collection, but when I opened it up. Um, I couldn't recall reading it, so it, it had to have been a long time ago. Um, so it was kind of a – I thought things would come back to me, but they really didn't. And I think I – mean, well, I'll save it till we get into it, but um, it was basically like a fresh read again. Hmm. That's wrong with that. Well, cool. I mean, the book is, what, 31 years old, 32 yeah. years old? 32. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is a story you can give a kid today. And they wouldn't know it's 30, 32 years old. The art is so incredibly crisp and on model for everyone and everything. Yeah. And it's not a terribly dark or disturbing story. You could give this to pretty much, I think, any kid that can read and comprehend and that they would uh, they would enjoy it. Yeah, just a few murders. Well, yeah, yeah but compared to what's going on now in comics, I think. Uh, <laughs> well, All right. Well, uh, no yeah, that's yeah. all right. Let's go. Uh, what we've done with the synopsis is we have broken it up. So Nigel is going to read the first half, and then I will take over and I'll read the last half. So you're going to get two perspectives on this story. Okay. Um, I'll start then, shall I? So go ahead. I'll, I'll just introduce the book again. So it's a Titans book, and it's the graphic novel 3D Batman. Uh, I believe the story. Art and Inking is by John Byrne. And of course, the, the 3D effect added by Ray Zone, <laughs> which sounds a rather comical kind. I don't know whether that's his real name or is it yes, actually yes. Roy Zane? I wondered. I, I think that. I read somewhere where somebody wrote his name as Roy Zane. Now, it could have been a misprint, <laughs> but awesome. I thought... That, that wouldn't be too hard to change to Ray Zone, which sounds very uh, sort of science fiction-y. And he's created the 3D effect. Right. And the title of the story is Ego Trip. And so here is 
the beginning of the synopsis. Our story begins with the penguin making a recording of what seems to be a report about the murder of one Hardiman Twine, which is later mailed to the office of Commissioner Gordon, head of the Gotham Police Department. The commissioner decides not to call in Batman at this time, as he is currently on the trail of recently escaped villains Riddler, Penguin, Two-Face and Joker. Batman arrives at the Gotham Museum of Antiquities late that night. Upon entering, he immediately has to avoid a trap set by the Riddler. But he literally falls into a second trap whilst in pursuit of the villain. As Batman stands in an ever-deepening pool of water, Riddler leaves him with a riddle that does not make sense and was not funny. Batman dives down into the water and seeks out the water's inlet. He is able to remove the grating and swims through a narrow tunnel to escape. Riddler has left three more clues. The first clue, how can you travel 200 miles and never leave Gotham City? The second clue, or riddle, when is a penthouse like an iceberg? And the third clue, what did the Chinese mountain dweller say to his daughter when she moved into the valley below? Commissioner Gordon is able to figure out that the answer to the first riddle refers to the Gotham subway system. Batman suggests the second riddle could be a clue to the Penguin's whereabouts, but the third riddle remains a mystery. The first clue leads Batman to a closed underground railway station, where he is quickly caught in a net trap prepared by Two-Face. Trussed up above a rail track, Two-Face explains Batman's fate, decided, of course, by the flip of his trusty coin. Batman must switch the tracks of the train, which is due to arrive in two minutes, or it will run into a service siding and crash into a dead end. If Batman succeeds in switching the train to the parallel track, however, that would cost him his own life. Batman is successful in rerouting the train and manages to avoid being splattered, escaping the death trap. The information Two-Face gave him just complicates the mystery. Batman decides to visit the penthouse apartment of Hardiman Twine, the scene of the crime. He finds the room wrecked and in disarray due to Twine's crazed actions before leaping to his death, as the police reports had said. There is no trace of anyone else having entered the room. Suddenly, the Riddler arrives intending to kill Hardiman Twine. He's shocked to see Batman and annoyed that someone else obviously beat him to the kill. With the Riddler in custody, Batman begins to work on a theory which he plans to test. Next day, the Gotham Gazette runs a headline that the Riddler has confessed to the Twine murder. This seems to ruffle Penguin's feathers, who contacts Commissioner Gordon, demanding details of how Riddler did it, which is just what Batman anticipated. However, moments before, sorry, moments later, there is news of Riddler having disappeared from custody, leaving his guards dead with a rictus grin on their faces, suggesting the Joker has entered the scene. And this is where I take over. Yeah. So, Ego Trip, Part 2. We open on the secret lair of the Joker, who has just broken the Riddle out of jail. The Joker chides the Master of Riddles for taking credit for killing Hardman, Twine. Enigma denies taking credit, but the villainous clown does not believe him. 
The Riddler is strapped down and is about to be receive an IV of Joker juice when Two-Face enters a room with a gun. The Janus villain tells the clown prince of crime he and the Riddler may have lost the bet, but he killed the Batman and that makes him the biggest winner. Joker asks if he saw the body, but Two-Face says he placed Batman in a perfect killing trap, no way to escape. Cut to the Batmobile as it speeds towards an abandoned amusement park. Cape Crusader determined the Joker's location for one of the Riddler's puzzles, Happy Valley Park. Batman jumps a fence and ponders on the involvement of the four master villains, Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Two-Face. He's puzzled why the Joker would arrange the breakout of the Riddler. He spies a trio of troublemakers from the rafters as Two-Face is about to kill the Joker. Two-Face decides to kill his competition in their little game of death. The Joker taunts Two-Face with his fascination with the number two. A diopic dandy of death lacks style and panache to be truly evil. Before the trigger can be pulled, the Dark Knight enters the Barney to the surprise of all. Two-Face sets his twin lovelies on the hero who is reluctant to hit a woman, but they have no problem with hitting him. Think the fight between Bambi and Thumper from Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> the Batman is having his cow handed to him as Two-Face jams the ivy needle into the Riddler's arm. The villain then exits stage left as the Batman finally manages to turn the tables on the troublesome twins without throwing a punch. He literally bonks their heads together. He removes the needle from Nigma's arm, calls for help, and sets off after the Joker. He chases, he chases the crafty clown into the world of giants, a section of the park that boasts all of their pachyderm-sized props are fully functional. He dodges a crate-sized cork, chases the Joker on a sled-sized skateboard, battles Jumbo Jacks, and pilots his way through huge, prodigious pins. He catches and cuffs the cantankerous clown. Gotham Knight tells him he will stand trial for the death of Hardeman Twine, but the Joker says he has nothing to do with the crime. The two speed off to Gotham. Later in Commissioner's office, Gordon asks if the Batman believes the Joker. He says yes. The Joker is many things, but he never is shy from taking credit for his dastardly doings. Two-Face Two -Face didn't do it. He was going to kill the rest for learning of his failure to kill Hardeman. The Riddler didn't do it because the Batman interrupted his attempt at the murder. Must be the penguin. The felonious foul has that started this whole story. The Batman deduces if he finds the penguin, he will find Two-Face. Batman asks for information on a shipment to Hardiman's uh, apartment. The police think the information was garbled in the facts, but Batman, being the world's greatest detective, looks at the manifest and has figured it out. He swings across the city to the apartment. The, inf the information on the manifest points to a uh, Morari drum. A tribe Maori. that treats Maori? Maori, yeah. Maori? Maori. A tribe that treats their drumheads with a powerful hallucinogen, the final piece to the puzzle. He, uh, he arrives to find a crazed two-face under the influence of the same drug that drove Hardiman to jump from his terrace. The butcherous bird of crime relishes the chance to watch Two-Face flip out, but Batman steps in and rescues the villain. Batman teases the penguin with his ego being his downfall. He had to autograph his crime. But the portly penguin will have the last laugh. He has released, released a mist of the hallucinogen into the room, which he and his henchmen have an antidote. Batman starts to feel its effects. The crusader fights distorted demons from his past as he struggles to gain control of his senses. The penguin moves in for the kill, but Batman realizes the tuxedo troublemaker is not a phantom, but the real deal, and disarms him. He finishes off the foul bird's henchman, and his work is done. Epilogue. The Batcave. Bruce explains to Alfred the 
that the penguin planned it all. He was bullied by Hardiman at school, and Cobblepot swore to get even when he learned and when he learned of the hallucinogen, he had his plan to finish Hardiman. He involved the Joker Riddler and Two-Face as insurance in case he could not kill uh, his tormentor. He knew their egos would not allow them to turn down the challenge. Bruce has been on the go for three days and deserves a rest. As he gets to bed, Alfred sees Bruce to bed as our story comes to a close. The end. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah. It was not quite as detailed as Nigel's, but... I tried to do a lot of alliteration in this in the yes, in the style that was, of was great. really <laughs> wonderful <laughs> alliteration there. Stanley would be very happy. Mm. All, all we needed is just you know to throw in a little bit of onomatopoeia, <laughs> and uh, you oh. know we got the whole thing. I know it. You know we just make the sound. You know, <laughs> make the sound that you're supposed to read. Uh, well, let's uh, go around and tell you what everybody uh, everybody thought. Let's go first. Well, I've never seen this before. I'll start. I've just skimmed it there as we began, and I've gone through it and caught up as you did the uh, the summary. So I'm impressed with it. I think it's a good Batman tale. I think John Byrne is having fun, and he's flexing his muscles and using you know great angles and traps. And he's it's a great homage or tribute to Dick Sprang, Batman, which I know he and Roger Stern both. Uh, love so um, you know it's a labor of love and it's really good and now I want to find a pair of uh, 3D glasses so that I can enjoy the depth effect and I, I'll, I'm going to uh, do a side tangent here you go back to the first or second page where the credits are in the bottom right hand corner it says quote for those readers who wish to preserve the mint condition of this book leave, and leave the Batman glasses intact a pair of generic 3D glasses are available separately for $1 postpaid from the 3D Zone post office box 47, I'm sorry, 741159, Los Angeles, California, 90004. Now, I'm sure the prices for mailing in these glasses have gone up. I don't even know if 3D Zone are st is still there or in business, but I'm going to pop two bucks in, a, <laughs> in an envelope and mail away for this just for... Because uh, I, I don't know where my 3D glasses are. So I enjoyed it, guys. I thought it was good. I, cool. You know, as much as I can enjoy it without glasses, I've enjoyed your summary. So that's that's my reaction. I will. I'll, I'll add my two cents real quick. Um, I love the more like a buck 50. Yeah, that's right. Inflation. It is inflation. Uh, I love the art. The art is I love just like when he did OMAC. I like this do a shade, do a tone uh, type technique he does. And it's really beautiful art. I think it looks as good in black and white. I think it doesn't need to be in color. Uh, and I think the 3D is cool. But like Kirk, I want to. I've got some somewhere. I want to dig my 3D glasses out and see how it looks in 3D. I was a little disappointed in the story. I thought the story was a little convoluted, and then I didn't think it. It came. It. He's writing it like he's trying to write kind of a smart mystery detective detective yeah. story. And it doesn't come. I mean, I like the fact that Batman is working as a detective, right. but it it just the story let me down a little bit. It's not the strongest thing Burns done, um, which is a direct opposite of his. It's it's great art. He's got um, he's to Kirk your point, Kirk. He's he's playing around with it. A lot of the there's some scenes when Batman is on the hallucinogen that he's really doing his kind of distorted, uh, weird look where the figures are are all bendy and. They're, they're distorted faces and things like that. 
uh, and he is seems to be working off the the penguin doesn't exactly look like Burgess Meredith, but he looks like that was his inspiration. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And the Riddler looks a lot like, not like Gorshin, but his outfit looks a little bit like Gorshin from the, the TV show. And that, that seems like that's to be his, his inspiration is the 60s TV show. Um, and he does seem to be having a lot of fun with it. I'll go next. Um, so I'll start with the positive. So, of course, you know, Byrne delivers here art-wise. Um, I'd be really curious to see this without the 3D effect layered over top of it to see how it either stands up or falls down without that added layer on top. My, my gut tells me that we would probably like it more. <laughs> did you read it in 3D or did, did you just read the 3D version? No, well, and I'll get to that in a second because I, okay. I, um, I agree with Tim that – the whole time I was reading it or rereading it, I guess, since it was already in one of my short boxes, I kept thinking there was going to be something more clever that happened or some callback where, you know, some twist, right. Where it's like, Oh, I, you know, I missed that as the reader. Um, and that never really came. So it's almost like one of those stories where they're trying to be so sophisticated, but they, they don't, they miss the mark. Um, now this is kind of still at Burns height, I think 1990, he would have been putting out a lot of books. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think this is one that at least from the story perspective, I think it could have used a, a little more, uh, depth and, and a few more, you know, trickier things for Batman to figure out. Because I think I've said in the show before that detective Batman is my favorite Batman. You know, some people disagree with that. You know, they like the rock and sock and Batman that's out there, you know, beating up all the bad guys. But I really that that's my my kick for me with Batman is the the true detective stories where he really has to use his brain and live up to his, uh, you know, moniker of, you know, the world's greatest detective. And I think it just kind of fell short in that area. Not so much so that I would say it's not worth someone's time to read it, because, again, the book is 32 years old. Um but I wouldn't go into it thinking that, you know, which, by the way, this was a prestige format book, um, you know, so nine it was, bucks too. Yep, it was nine in 1990, um, you know, so it's set, got that square bound uh, piece, uh, you know, so this this was put out there as being, you know, something really special. And while it's it's interesting, I, I don't think it, you know, it could have just been a, you know, like a four issues or three issues in the regular Batman run at the time. It feels kind of uh, like the, a four issue, doesn't it? Like they maybe yeah. chopped down. Yeah, like we're missing. Like I said, like we're missing something. Um, the three D effect is nothing for me. <laughs> it has never done anything <laughs> for me. Even when I was a kid, um, I thought it was distracting, uh, and I still feel that same way. And I haven't cracked open a three D book for years, right? So I thought, well, maybe I'll like it this time, and. It doesn't do anything for me. And obviously, if you don't have the glasses and you're trying to read it, it's horrendous because uh, you've got that green and red layering on top of the, the art. But, uh, yeah, this those, is definitely hmm? those glasses, though, are bat shaped, you know, like like the old Batman cover symbol, like, well, like he and does on, on, the, on page one. So it's like a, a very unusual 3D glasses. Well, it's a callback to 3D Batman, which was published in 1953. And that's where the second story came from. Yes. Okay. So there was a 3D Batman in 1953, which, by the way, it was 25 cents. 
and it came with uh, it re- reprinted Batman. I think it was forty two and forty eight, and then you got three D bat glasses uh, nice. with it. Uh, it'd be very difficult to track down a copy. I know they reprinted it sometime in the '60s as well. Uh, I've never seen one. Um, I could do a quick Google search or eBay search and see if they're out there. But I think that's where that logo comes from. I think he's calling back to that original 1953 oh, okay. 3D Batman because that would have been the logo at that time. And that cover art, by the way, is by a guy named Pepe Marino Casares. Oh. All right. Yeah. I guess it's my turn then, huh? Or wait, do Nigel, did you get to say your piece? I've not really said anything about it yet, but I I agree a lot with what Tim said about it. Um, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely uh, brings back uh, when I used to watch the Batman TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, nostalgia, yeah, abounds in this book, yeah. And I liked the story. Um because it it gives us all the aspects of what Batman is about. As you say, uh, he's a detective, and uh, he has to do some detective work in the story. Um, he's also he's also proving to be an intelligent person with the way he works things out. And then, of course, you've got the action parts of the story, which in a book like this, which is the main, the main thing is the visual, the visual element, then you need the action, obviously. That for me was the only thing that I, I felt I, I could have done with a bit more action. Uh, even if it was only just like a few more fights with say the villain's henchmen, you know, just for him to beat up a few of the goons and what have you along the way. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, as I say, it's very nostalgic. You have, uh, I see the the connection to the likenesses of the '60s Batman series. But the real draw for me is in the visuals. Uh, I've got the glasses on now, just looking through it. <laughs> and this is the only 3D book or comic I've ever seen. Um, but I love some of the some of the visuals. Some of the pictures in here are just great. We're in 3D. I mean, these panels when you look at them in 3D, the depth is great. You feel like you can just climb into the panel with them almost. Well, it's it's obvious that Byrne, you know, knew this was going to be a 3D book, and so he played. Yeah. With the elements in there to make sure that you got your money's yeah. worth. You got your money shots. Yeah, and it certainly it certainly works. Yeah, I, I like the picture on the, the funny one on page forty eight where the Batman's throwing penguin, and so as he's coming towards you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've, got what, you've got what Scott Gardner would describe as fat ass penguin, quite <laughs> literally <laughs> flying towards you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like this and the three D effect. I think it's great. And some of those posters that are in the back of the book as well, uh, with the 3D effect, they're fabulous. In fact, I think one of the best ones, there's one by Barry Windsor Smith. And that one in 3D, it's fantastic. Yeah, It's kind of Joker and he's throwing this pack of cards in the air. They're sort of fluttering everywhere. They're all over the picture. But in 3D, 
it just looks fantastic. It looks as if they're flying off the page at, at you. Oh, man, you're going to make me want to open this thing up now. Oh, I, in fact, I'm looking at this poster now as I speak, and where I'm touching it with my thumb on the left-hand side, the cards in the picture actually look as if they're coming beyond my, my thumb now, you know, that they're diving out of the picture. It's excellent. And next to that, of course, there's a poster picture from George Perez. And that's got really good depth as well. Yeah. I like that Mike Zach uh, Two-Face. Yeah, yeah. That's and the Art Adams is nice too. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, love, I love the 3D effect. Yeah. <laughs> as I say, it's the only 3D book I've ever seen, so I don't know how it compares to anything else that... Well, Ray Zone was considered a master in, at right. this time period of, of yeah. doing it, so mm-hmm. superior. Yeah, I like the picture at the bottom of page 8 as well in 3D, uh, where Batman avoids Riddler's first trap. That looks excellent. He's like big, dropping yeah. this massive sta- head statue head, onto Batman. Like Batman's that. leaping yeah. out of the way, and he's kind of leaping out of the, out of the panel. It's like you, I could put my hand behind Batman. As I look at it, yeah. If I've got any other 3D books or not, I think it was it's a, it was a fad. I think that I must have something, but this was something more like uh, this maybe before I don't know your time or y'all's time. But uh, Brian, did you ever get Dynamite magazine when you were in school? Was this a thing? I remember it, but I don't think I ever got it myself. Yeah, that occasionally I think would have 3D stuff in it. I think we would get those. We would, you, know, you could order stuff in school. Kind of like the bookmobile would come by and you could order books and yeah. magazine and stuff. And we would get um, Dynamite. They would have like the film stuff and things like that in it. But. All right. Well, I guess I'll uh, give my assessment here uh, at last. Um, first, I think this was a great amalgam of all the, the different things on Batman. You know, um, Byrne actually kept this in continuity. Um by you know talking about things that are going on currently, the fact of uh, Jason Todd's death at the hands of the Joker, uh, and you know, and other bits. But he also definitely you know did this as kind of a throwback to Batman '66 uh, in so many ways. It just yeah, I mean, there's points where you could hear that dun 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 dun, dun. Mm-hmm. and yet you know his art was so perfectly on point. Uh, with the heavy use of the duo shade, and I'm still trying to figure out. On page one, as a joke, as a, the the penguin sitting there, and you've got those curtains draped behind him. Is that argle bargle that he scribbled in, or is that you know duo shade or zipatone that was used in there on the, on the curtains? It looks drawn in to me. Yeah. And can you just imagine the amount of time and effort? I mean, I know he he goes off in his own zone. And he does the Argo Bargle where it's just, you know, his hand goes free and he's actually able to sit there and think about other things while it does it. But that just looked, I mean, it's just amazing to sit there and look at that. The other thing that I did notice is that uh, several shots of Gotham City uh, made me think of um, the shots of 1940s New York that uh, he used in OMAC that he actually appropriated from his failed shazam book and i'm wondering if he'd used uh that in here as well because the shots of gotham were very very small and i'd have to i'd have to compare them to the ones that i'd seen now there's um 
the only the only thing that I that that you know made me just kind of step out of the book a little bit though was Two Face. And whenever you saw Two Face or you saw the, the flashbacks of Harvey Dent, he looked too much like Bruce Wayne. That you know, it's just you know, it's it's the 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 way that that Byrne draws certain types of characters uh, that they just appeared so much similar that you know, if you turned to the wrong page in black and white and saw Harvey, you could think that that was Bruce Wayne. But beyond that, this was such a a great. Um, it, it really felt like an episode of the Batman sixty six. So I didn't you know sit there and worry too much about the the mystery aspects of it. But I understand that it's the mystery aspects and the detective work is the reason why Byrne stayed away from doing more Batman stories altogether is that he just didn't think that he could continually find mysteries to tell in there for Batman to unravel. And, you know, seeing this one here, I'm like, okay, if this is the, the, the standard that he would want to follow, yeah, that would be really difficult to do month after month. And so that's probably why he did very, very few Batman detective stories, as it were. Interesting. Yeah. Because he did. Now, but if you think of but, his FF run, mm-hmm. the format for a lot of the most of the issues on that run would be some kind of a mystery would be introduced, and then they, you know, re- would come up with some clever solution for it by the end of it. Right, but uh, that would be one mystery. When you look at this one, there are. So many riddles, so many clues, so many pieces of the puzzle that Batman has to sit there and assemble to get to that final piece at the end. And then you're dealing with multiple villains and he's just you've got there's so much that he had to keep up with. And you're just like, is this how he would have done every Batman story? So you look at the other ones he did in Batman Black and White, uh, the the many deaths of the Batman. And then, of course, you know what we saw in, in Generations And you just think that his standard of what kind of stories he'd want to see from a Batman book are maybe higher than um, what he would, you know, sit there and do as a mystery for another character. Possible. You know, it just may be that to your point, he didn't feel he was up to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And he ran into the same thing when when, uh, they asked him to do Dick Tracy. Chris Rael asked him to do Dick Tracy uh, not too long ago. And he started doing some sketches. He started you know, coming up with ideas, but then you realize, oh, no, it's, it's still, it's a detective. And, you know, the, the kind of stories in Dick Tracy, the kind of stories in Batman have twists and turns all over the place and misdirection and, and all, you know, all sorts of things that you have to sit there and follow from the very beginning. And that, that is, I mean, that kind of continuity is sickening to try and maintain if you are a high-functioning, intelligent writer. Well, some of his riddles are not very clever. In no. This. Um, no. Especially the Happy Valley one is a little. <laughs> but even it's... he pointed out that that, that was right. racist. In, in, right. In this, yeah, it was yeah. racist, but it just wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't now, very good. There was a couple little things I found really, really interesting. Number one um, is he's underwater and he's getting ready to go down that, that uh, tunnel. There's uh, in the first panel of the page, and I, it, it, it's in my book. It's page one eighteen. I don't know where that is in the uh, the Batman story, but they've got him uh, with the water 12. refraction on him, yeah. and I just thought that, that was really really cool to throw that cool. that refraction there. But the next uh, couple of pages where he is going into that tunnel, and then he writes it, you know how basically it's closing in on him. And I'm I you know number one, I don't have a problem in close places enclosed places but i was getting claustrophobic with that right there 
just sitting there thinking, you know, he's just doing, yeah. Yeah. But where did he go to get the cape so quick to get to the commissioner? Did he go back to the back cave or was there like a spare in the, in the Batmobile? (laughs) (laughs) He's probably got him like on a uh, paper towel roll. He just snaps another one off and puts it on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a a bit of dialogue in here and I've been looking for it while you've been talking. I can't find it, but I know I've read it. I think he's referring to the Riddler and he's either talking to the Riddler or talking through his inner monologue. And he says, you know, I, uh, oh no, no, it's, it's not, um, maybe it's Dent. Somebody mentions that I've tried to have you executed several times. Is that Dent when he's saying that? And he says it was bleeding hearts that uh, allowed you to. It was uh, Dent talking to somebody else. Is that Dent? Okay. For some reason I was thinking that was Batman saying that. No, no, that was Dent talking to talking to one of the other characters, and I'm trying to remember. It's on page thirty-three. In yeah, it's Dent talking to the Riddler. Dent before. talking to the Riddler, and then he jabs him with the the joke the and says, "I'm your judge, jury, and executioner." Okay. He stabs the <clears throat> the thing into his arm. His arm. Now, yeah, John was a prosecuting paper. attorney, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he was. was. Yeah, he was he was DA. He was DA. Yeah. But we got to get John's opinion before we get too deep. Oh, John, where are you? Hello, John. I see you. John? I saw John log in, but I've not heard him. His face is on my screen. (laughs) We can't Uh, hear you, John. John, come back to us. Don't go to the light. (laughs) (laughs) He may have walked away like I did. No, I'm here. There he is. There he is. I, I tried to, to say Brian wouldn't be last, but um, he apparently didn't hear me and kept talking. So <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um, so uh, overall impression is I really like this book. Um, I didn't read it when it came out. And so this is a fresh read for me. And I agree with what, whoever it said is it's timeless. And I still think it's uh, a great read for someone today. And for me, I loved all of the throwback elements. Totally what were the characters that I, uh, you know, the villains that I loved. They might have been close to the Batman TV series style, but I love that. So I, 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 I was just really in a lot of enjoyment with it. And the artwork was just fantastic. It was just the, the type of burn art that I really, really love. So I really had a good uh, good read with it. Did you read it in 3D? I read the 3D thing, but I couldn't find 3D glasses to make it happen. So (laughs) I was like, I know I had a pair. And then, of course, when I want them the most. So now that we're done with this, they'll show up. You watch. (laughs) That's the best. It always goes. (laughs) But I still enjoyed it anyway. And and then reading it in uh, the uh, DC Universe uh, with just the line, uh, the pencil work uh, all filled in was still great. Uh-huh. I mean, I, actually, when I read it with the 3D glasses on, maybe it's because of my age and everything, but I can't, I, w- I wouldn't be able to read it all in one go with the 3D glasses on. You get a little right. dizzy and a little nauseous. I get about a third of the way, yeah, my eyes are boggled. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have to do it in stages when I'm reading it in 3D. Yeah. Yeah, same but, yeah, thing John, to me. It's still John. good to read. If you need the 3D glasses, look at the inside cover for the credits, the bottom right corner of page two. I can order a pair? Yes. Or cut them out. At at one time you could. 
And I've just filled out my uh, my envelope with the stamp and put a couple of bucks in it. And I'm trying. So I'll let you know if it works. Of course, you're on the West Coast, so you're closer to Los Angeles. You'd get your pair a lot faster than I would. Go for it. I just drive up there and get them, sure. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got a box of, I think I ordered 50 because when I graduated. Oh, my gosh. Well, when I graduated college and I had to send my my resume out to try to get a job as graphic designer, I designed my, the envelope it came in as a 3D effect. And I had my website printed on the glasses. So I was inserting the glasses of sending them out. So I've got a box of them around here somewhere. If I find them, I'll mail them to you guys, but I don't, um, they're so much stuff's packed up when we moved here. We, it hasn't been unpacked. Yeah. No, I, I really like it. Um, the only, the only main, uh, of the Rogues Valley missing, of course, was Catwoman. But uh, I noticed that they put in Two Face. Yeah, yeah. but well, Two Face is Two Face is one of my favorites of the Rogues. So I really, I really kind of like Two Face a lot. So I'm kind of glad that we got to see uh, him. But I, uh, but Catwoman is uh, also my favorite. But we got an awesome pinup in the back, so that was really neat. Yeah, it's Perez, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it Perez? I didn't, I didn't notice yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't. Uh, look- Kirk, I got some bad news for you. Um, oh no, they're no longer there. Well, the, the thing is, if you look at that that little note, it does say you're going to mail off to the company called the Three D Zone. Yes. Okay, so I looked up the Three D Zone, and it oh, was no. a short-lived American comic book publishing company that existed between 1987 and 2003. So more than likely, that office is now like. A, a fishery or, or something else out so there. It's just a box, box, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, when you get your DeLorean, um, you can go back to the room. Yep. Well, Kirk, you can get a, you can get three pairs on Amazon for four eighty eight. Okay. Oh well, in that case, there we go. We should buy a pair and mail them to all the, uh, all of our three uh, D uh, burned uh, victims. You know. Well, yeah. Most run this podcast, so. <laughs> was that the off-topic phone? <laughs> it was a bad phone. Okay, um, John, did you say everything you wanted to say? I kind of interrupted you there. Yeah, I'm good. You know, one thing that I did notice um, that was kind of interesting, and I'm trying to get the page number here, so I'm going into my 3D copy, um, mm-hmm. is that there's a scene, yeah, scene on page 27 where the Joker is standing over the, the Riddler, uh, Joker's in his chair, that is. And um, the thing that I found interesting is that if you go to a later page, and let me pull up that page number as well, uh, they actually almost reproduce the uh, the image. And let me find that. Uh, it's, uh, where is it? Yeah, I guess that's page uh, 35. Move this up again. Where, because uh, it was, you know, basically in the same, yeah, it's it's page 35 and it's Batman kind of in the same position as the Riddler was in the previous pages. It kind of stuck out to me when I initially read it, though. It doesn't necessarily seem to be as obvious um, as it was uh, when I first read it. Well, I thought it was interesting also mm-hmm. that he, he writes the Riddler as being, uh, I mean, obviously in the Joker makes... Uh, a remark that he's just not quite, you know, you've been kind of copying me your whole career. 
Um, but they, he writes that Ritter is being a little bit of a buffoon, not being very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's yeah. probably not supposed to be on par with uh, the evil Martian. genius that the 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 Joker but, is. But I thought he was supposed to be a pretty bright guy. Well, the the thing is, is like the the Riddler up until Batman sixty six, the Riddler was always like a D tier villain. He wasn't considered uh, on the same level as the other guys. And then Frank Gorshin got a hold of the character and made him incredibly popular. He was the first one of the TV series yeah. in the premiere episode. He and, hit with a huge bang. Yeah. And so that that made the character stand out more. And so more people were starting to write him. And, you know, they, they wrote him, you know, a lot smarter than they originally were. But he never was on the same par as the genius of what the Joker's supposed to be. Well, that that goes without saying. It's, yeah. You know, they're not going to – he's not going to uh... – I could reach that level, but and I also thought it was interesting. I think somewhere here, Batman comments on Dent, saying that he has a little bit of sympathy for Dent because he didn't ask. I mean, he's kind of giving his backstory about getting the acid in the face. He says, you know, he's a little bit sympathetic towards Dent because it's not his fault that he had the acid thrown in his face and he kind of snapped and went, you know, turned evil. But what about the Joker? Joker didn't ask to be dumped in. I mean, yeah, he was a crook, but he didn't ask to be dumped in that vat of chemicals that we assume altered his face and personality. So, you know, I mean, every every one of Batman's villains is a uh, like somebody's dissertation on mental health, you know. (laughs) And uh, so you look at any one of them and you can find something to pity on any of them. Harvey. I think Batman looks at with that sympathy simply because Harvey was a man of the law. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah. And And, if and I think the other guys already had a they were already involved in crime in some way. So like the Joker was already a criminal. Yeah, I think he was a petty thief. So whereas, you know, Harvey was fighting crime and then this just, like he said, made him snap. So that's probably why he's a little bit more sympathetic. And I think he probably still thinks that um, part of Harvey is still there, which is what's keeping Two-Face in check. So Bruce and Harvey were friends. Yeah. Yeah. So but there's, I, there's I think, a deeper connection there than with any of his other rogues. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think he thinks there's still some op- opportunity for redemption because he thinks Harvey is still there. Yeah. And there's, there was a, a Scott Snyder. Um, he, he wrote uh, all-star Batman and mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of right around the heels of his new 52 run, which you've never, if you've never read that, it's excellent. The whole, I think they did 52 issues, but yeah, what? it's excellent. Um, a good review for a new 52 book. Wow. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Batman was one of the standouts. Uh, the Wonder Woman was really good too. Yeah, but the Batman ones kind of had their own continuity. They didn't all necessarily stay along with everything that all the other New Fifty Two books were doing, were they? They did, but it got messy because you ended up with all the Robins compressed in a very short time period. But we, we don't have to go there. Yeah. But he he, he Scott Schneider did a New Fifty Two uh, All Star Batman. His first uh, six issues of that is just what. We're talking about John. It's it's Batman trying to save Dent, and he gets an opportunity to um, give him an injection that will cure him of this two-faced personality. And there's a big confrontation that they go through, you know, where they're discussing this. And 
two face tells Batman, you know, you you assume I I don't want to be two face anymore. Yeah, and well, they go back it, and forth. I think mm, in this yeah. issue, Batman comments that Dent had been fixed in the past. I guess they had, you know, fixed literally fixed his face and maybe fixed his psyche, and he always kind of snaps back or something. Yeah, he did mention something like that, but I wasn't familiar with that particular story, so I was like, okay, and I just moved on. Yeah, you know, that I was talking about that image of uh, Riddler that that I kind of saw repeated. The second image was actually on page 24, and instead of the Joker talking over to him, it's actually uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon talking to Riddler uh, under the, the bright spotlight yeah. in, in, in the police station. And it's funny how it mirrors the Joker talking to him when he had him under his control. What were the pages again? I'm flipping through. Um, okay. 24 is the second one. 24 and 27. Okay. Yeah, it was 24 and 27. Yeah, there There's, you go. So the, so the first one is Batman and Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And then 27 is the Joker talking to him in that same kind of uh, – well, he's under a spotlight, obviously. Got it. Okay. And that, that's the 27. That's where you really get that Dick Sprang look for the Joker. Oh, the yeah. And then the, the, the one on the right the right panel, it looks more like Brian Boland from The Killing Joke. So I thought that was, I mm. thought that was cool. So one thing I wanted to bring up before it leaves my mind is – so this was published, what, roughly six to eight months after he did the, the three-issue run on Batman with the many deaths of Batman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. October 1990. That, yeah, so do you think that this is better than that three-issue story or the same? It's different uh, because of many deaths of the Batman. If I'm not mistaken, at least the first issue, if not the first two, are completely silent. First issue is a silent one, and I mean, it has one word in it. But yeah. the second and third issue, no, they, they have regular dialogue. And, of course, the, the big difference is Jim Aparo does the artwork. Yep. In the in the books. And I mean, I love Jim Aparo. For the most part, he is the artist for my Batman, uh, you know, that that I did. But if I could get John Byrne drawing Batman all the time, he could easily become my Batman artist. You know, just he didn't draw enough of Batman. He he scripted that series. And so I just kind of wanted to throw it out there as I think we did we cover all three. I think we, we have not covered that at we all. We haven't covered. We've talked about it. We've never oh, actually okay. covered Our it. Homework previous. assignment now is. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is, this is Burned doing all the storytelling. You know, I mean, he's laying out everything, he, he laying out the art and drawing it and all that. Whereas in the many deaths of the Batman, he and Aparo discussed the story. Aparo drew the story, yep. and then he scripted it very much in the Marvel style, and. I mean, while it is Burns' story, a lot of it was a part of storytelling. I didn't get the same punch of the of the mystery and everything there that I'm getting here. That being said, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm really jazzed on this one right now just because it is such tight artwork. Uh, you know, just burned at, at the height of his power. And I would have loved to have seen that with the many deaths of the Batman, but we didn't get to see that. So I had a level of disappointment there, which is sad because I love Aparo's artwork, though it's definitely later in his career. I bring it up because we've we've talked about different issues 
um, whether it's on our regular, you know, burn discussion or comics and cocktails, where we've we've talked about this, you know, where you can separate the artist and the writer, right, and say, hey, I really enjoyed this, the writing in the series, but I didn't care for the art, right, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so it, when I looked up the many deaths of the Batman, because I had thought of it earlier today, I'm like, this has to be right on the heels of that. And and it was. And so it just kind of brought to mind, you know, is this as good as those three just from a story perspective, the story elements? Because I think, Tim, you had mentioned you're kind of disappointed that there wasn't more complexity or that it yeah. didn't go kind of deeper. I thought the payout was a little weak. And yeah. I, I think this is a superior story in my mind. I mean, again, it's it's what, uh, 48 pages and I mean that's two thirds the size of the many deaths of the Batman, but the many deaths of the Batman. The big thing for that was that first issue, the virtually all silent and the shock of what they had in that. And after that, it kind of fell into you know the story mode of, of explaining why things went the way it did. Whereas this right here, you're following it all along. I, I, I don't know. I just I, I I prefer this this particular story and storytelling to. The many deaths well, of the Batman. Let me ask this: Would this work better as a four-issue, maybe three-issue mini? Because it feels like you're coming in and you've missed the first two episodes of a TV show, yeah. and <laughs> that can be done when it's done correct. You know that you can kind of come in and they can fill you in, but he doesn't quite right. nail the landing of catching us up. So we feel like there's a lot of stuff we've missed, and we're just like, okay, I'm gonna just go along for the ride, and I'll see how it ends. And it basically, it's just a the penguin was bullied and he wanted to kill this guy because he was mean to him when he was a kid. Well, Byrne must've had the sixties and seventies Batman stuff on his mind because in the many deaths of the Batman, it's the same thing. I think there was a couple stories from the sixties or set in the sixties, a couple in the seventies. Um, and then you have this, right? Which we're all comparing back to, uh, you know, Batman 66. So you must've, yeah. that just must've been like, you know, his muse at the time for Batman. But, you know, what, you know, we've talked about it before, kind of the bang for the buck. Um, I did the inflation calculator on this. So in 1990, the nine, I think it was 995 cover price, that's the equivalent of essentially $23 today. Mm-hmm. And I if you want to buy a copy of this book, you can <laughs> still get it for $9. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's where, you Does know. Do have the glasses that still glasses yes. included? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I uh, how much does a buck for 3D glasses in your inflation calculator figure out to be? <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to say. So those, if you compare that, right, the, the monthly Batman title at the time was $1. So the many deaths of the Batman for all three issues, right, would have been 3 bucks. Whereas this was, you know, $9.99 or $9.95, whatever well, at the time. The separation and the, the intense uh, manual preparation for this color separation for this effect. Well, there's no ads that's either. Why it that's so why it's cost so much too. There's no ads, I don't think. Yeah, that's true so. too. I think you would have had to have been a pretty diehard Burn fan to pay that kind of money for this book. Then I don't remember it, and I didn't pay it, as I recall. So I don't know if it's a case where it wasn't ordered and didn't come into my comic shop, or if I just was a Marvel zombie and ignored, uh, you know, DC. I, you say it was late 1990, October 1990. I don't, and I don't, and I think you mentioned this, Brian, in, on Facebook. I don't remember 
really seen this in the wild. I don't see it. I don't remember seeing backbends or. Well, it doesn't look like, like a comic book. It, it just doesn't look like a comic book. Yeah. It looks like something else. And it, it doesn't. Right? I mean, it's a prestige format, but it it's because of the color scheme and it's on it. You know, the, a lot of the the prestige format books that they had out at, at that time, Gotham by Gaslight or uh, Speeding yeah. Bullets or all that, they had a very dark. They used a lot of grays, greens, and blues. Yeah. And then here you are. You've got this kind of purple, violetish sort of thing, and. It's, you know, it's, it's just different. And it does, it looks like it's going to be a, a written novel rather than a comic book because of the, of the cover that they've got on it. And so a lot of people, I guess, just didn't really, I, I don't know how the sales were on it, but I think it's one of those things that it was such a novelty and the high price on it that it probably didn't get picked up a lot. Well, it reminds me of the, uh, the you know, that, that 3D generated Batman story. It was Batman of the Future. Oh, what is it? Uh, it's got a kind of a Tron-like cover to it. It was a hardback when it first came out. Oh, like, digital, digital justice. Yes, yes. <laughs> it reminds me kind of of that. You know, yeah. that's kind that of a was, gimmick was, book. You know, was that? But that was in what '86 or '87, wasn't it? Yeah, earlier. Because that yeah. that earlier. came out the same time that Iron Man, yeah, uh, computer-generated crap. Yeah, 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 Crash came out. That was dreadful. Yes, yeah, that was again. That was pioneering you, efforts, right? If you didn't appreciate the fact that this was all computer generated, but still the artwork was lacking, so it's like, well, do you buy in because it's state of the art, or no? Give me something that's hand drawn and looks good. <laughs> so. Well, I, I had to look it up. So, just for comparison purposes, these prestige format books, as we've mentioned a couple of them, um, Gotham by Gaslight, Speeding Bullets. Um, I have to think for a minute. But I just looked it up. The original cover price on Gotham by Gaslight was four dollars, mm-hmm. and that came out in May of '89. So it really wasn't too far off this book. So this this would have been a heavy lift, yeah. You know, for a yeah. comic shop at nine ninety five. Yeah, I think OMAC was four ninety five or three ninety five. It was about four or five dollars a book. Right. Yeah, nobody's ever going to pay four or five dollars a book. <laughs> I mean, for a comic book. I just forget it. Well, not anymore. That's why I'm not That's the joke, yeah. <laughs> no ads, though, right? That's worth it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this, uh, as we said earlier, this worth reading. It's not like this is a terrible book. It's worth reading whether you muddle through the 3D or not, and, not, and I need to get my glasses to kind of see, you know, hopefully I enjoy it as much as Nigel, who really seems to enjoy it. The black and white's not bad. That's in um, DC Universe by Byrne. So it's worth reading, one, for the artwork alone. Um, and the story is yeah. not terrible. It's just a little, you know, when you've got this level of art, you want the story to be the same level and it's not, they don't quite match up. So, well, I think we've, I think we've said pretty much all there is to say it, haven't we? Yeah. And Nigel, this was a great pick. I thought, you know, I mean, we don't get much chance to talk about Batman for one. And um, I just I just love the the level of detail that that Byrne put into the art for this book. Like you all have said, this has been this is a labor of love. And, uh, you know, he just pulled out all the stops on the artwork. That's for sure. So, uh, 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 you know, golf clap here. Good pick. You're uh, you're you're two for two. 
Yep. Thank you. So far. <laughs> and I will say, I've always appreciated Bat, uh, Burns' take on Batman because this is, at this point, this is after Dark Knight. So this is not the dark, brooding, brutal, kind of mean Batman. This is a Batman that's, yeah, he's going to punch you out, but he's going to treat you fairly. So and a little more hopeful. Is, if you look at the later stuff he did, the Batman black and white work, um, and I'm trying to see what issues those showed up in, because that was in 2000. Uh, let me see here. Gotham Knight. It was in the Gotham Knights book, starting with issue two. And that was definitely throwback stories to like, uh, you know, the 50s and 60s. And so, like, if you look at if you like the stuff he did in the um, second, the first and second books of uh, Generations, you get a lot of that in the Batman black and white stories that are in the Gotham Knights series, which now looking at that, that actually came out. OK, that came out between Generations and Generations 2. I thought he did more Batman than that, though. And that's really it. Well, do we well, have? Uh, why we haven't done a lot of Batman? That, yeah, there's just not a lot of burn Batman to do. Uh, we keep talking yeah, about doing to, generations, and we we need to do that at some time. Yeah, because we already covered Untold Legend of the Batman, that came from 1980. Yep, that was David's pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, any final fine. final words on uh, um, our 3D uh, 3D work here? We. Uh, we discussed it briefly before David and John showed up. We just kind of paid a briefly paid our respects to the fact that Kevin Conroy has passed. Yeah, so, terrible. Really sad news. Yeah. And Gallagher too. Gallagher, <laughs> yeah. We're dropping like flies this year. <laughs> and Michelle Nichols. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well I, I just again I just really enjoyed the book. I thought it was you know, I don't know if I would have paid I probably would have t- paid the ten bucks for it. I don't know, back in 1990, but uh, it is 80 pages. I mean, it's a huge book, so yeah. um, uh, there's a lot to it. But Technically not all original content. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, you get a reprint in there. Uh, so where there, yeah, and there's no ads, so, um, so good stuff. Um, I, I just really liked it. Um, this was a delight. Thanks, Nigel. I, I'm glad that you uh, recommended it. Uh, well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> did, did you just have this in a box? Um, I missed it because I came in late, so sorry. Uh, no, no I, yeah, I say I got it early in the 90s when it came out. And uh, no, I've always kept it on my on my shelf, as it were. <laughs> um, yeah, don't look at it too often, uh, but I, I've, I've always thought it was good. Yeah, I paid, well, I don't know. In Britain, it was £5.50. The cover price, which I must have paid at the time, yeah, it was yeah. a bit, it was a bit dear, uh, I guess, for the time. Certainly wasn't cheap, but uh, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good story. So it's really good. I like the story. I like the three D effect. I like Burns' artwork, and I like Burns' version of Batman. Me too. Yeah, always have always have done from the. Uh, First time I saw Byrne draw Batman would have been in, you know, the the art of John Byrne, the book that came out about 19. Oh, yeah. There's just there's a 
just one picture of Batman on page 18, I think it is, that Byrne drew. He's just walking towards the reader. Yeah. It's got that real smooth lines on it, too. Very Neil Adams. That's the first time I'd seen Byrne's uh, artwork for Batman. And straight away, I thought, oh, I like I like the way he's drawing Batman, yeah. yeah it's very timeless. It's definitely a, yeah. no matter what, I what like era you like. I like big-eared Batman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Batman. Yeah. Nigel, I Not, think that was the first time I saw Byrne draw a DC character or Batman was in that art of John Byrne because he was yeah. always on Marvel there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that art of John Byrne came out, and then and also his version of Superman was just yeah. incredible I, for me yeah, as well. I was surprised to see so much Superman in that book at the time because I thought, well, you know, he was still at he was still at Marvel, and I yep. thought he, he obviously liked Superman. <laughs> yeah, no, th- that was so good, and that you're right, that Batman Super- is yeah. Drew yeah. Superman, Lois Lane, uh, mm-hmm. Lex Luthor, they're all in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you get the legends of? The Untold Legend of the Batman, uh, number one, oh, when I, it came out? I've not read that. Okay. Oh, wow. I looked, I looked it up. I looked it up. Uh, but when I found out that Byrne only actually drew the first issue, is that right? There were yeah. three yeah. issues. He only drew the first one. So that kind of, I thought, uh, well, I'll not bother then because <laughs> it's not all Byrne, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the thing is, is that, you know, Jim Aparo inks it as well yeah and because he inks it it looks very aparo um I mean, not, he's not that he's a bad artist i like aparo. no i love his art but yeah. he, again you know yeah you know that was at the time when i've been reading the x-men and i was really starting to get mm-hmm. into burns art yeah and i read that batman book i don't know a, a thousand times because mm-hmm. it's got so much of batman's history now i've read a lot of those stories um, from somewhere else. I think it was like the the, the gold, uh, the Blue Ribbon Digest uh, reprinted a lot of Batman origin stories and all the backstories. So a lot of what is in that, I read the original versions, the Bob Kane, Bill Finger, uh, yeah. you know, stories from, from that day. And so I knew this whole story, but having it done with that artwork, was so gorgeous, so beautiful. And then it had things in it that I'd, I'd never seen before. Batman wearing the Robin costume before he actually became Batman. Yeah, I read I, I read something about that uh, in, a, in a kind of review, and I, I, I couldn't sort of get my head around that. I thought, oh, wait, Batman in a Robin costume. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know about that. Yeah, and it, it, of course he follows along that theme in his generation story too, which yeah. is I've, we I've still need to cover the generation stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's but it. Yeah. You got to leave now. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. You, 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 you must read those. That's your homework. I and, uh, and one, once you read those, we'll cover. They're all about different kinds. They're all sort of like different uh, universes or something. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not big into those kind of alternate stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, well, before Same we close out, one page that I that I that we didn't get a chance to talk about that I really liked, and I'm sorry to take it back, but was the image of the Batcave. 
one of my favorites in the book because it's the old timey bat cave that we all love with the penny and the dinosaur and all the mementos. So I just had yeah. to throw uh, some love out for the old fashioned bat cave. That's near the I, end. I, yeah. I actually had a thought about that because it, it, as I was reading, reading it, you know, they put a word balloon right in front of <laughs> what looks to be, is that the Joker's face? Yeah. Looks like. Yeah. Yep. And it kind of like, I just thought that they, they could have put that word balloon anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. They they could have put the word balloons below and all the stalactites and stuff and just still given us the glorious shots there. But um, yeah. it's just great to see the old fashioned Batcave. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like Batman standing there too. And then, of course, at the bottom panel, you see it's on its stand mm. and it looks very devilish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just looking at that picture without the glasses, though, it took me a while to see the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. it does get it a kind of effect. with the red and green only. Yeah, I, I know I didn't see that at first. And then I thought, oh, there it is. There's the dinosaur. But since yeah, I want to go explore. <laughs> quick, real quick tangent. I'm not watching it, but. Is anybody who has HBO, is anybody watching the Alfred Pennyworth show that's on HBO about young Alfred? I lost interest in the first season. Oh, is it? I just couldn't stay is, with it. Oh, it's already had a season. I thought it was brand new. No, it's uh, um, second or third season at this point. Okay. Well, and it may of, have gotten interesting. It may have gotten good. I just, I lost interest. No, I don't. It's kind of a hip 60s kind of Alfred. Is that where it, uh, he seems very. Oh, yeah. They got to turn everything in. Everybody's, everybody was a badass. Yeah, is this um, is this a spinoff from Gotham? I don't no, think so. I think it's, it's totally a, new. It's its own own story. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be Pennyworth and his ass kicking days, you know, before he comes to Wayne Manor and all that. And yeah, I I can't watch it just because honestly, it's the Teen Titans Go movie. I think I brought this up before, <laughs> where they, they have a Monda trailer thing where it's <laughs> before the uh, uh, Robin movie where. Um, where it's like, you know, they make uh, uh, Alfred a movie, then they have like a movie about the car, then like, I think the last one's like a utility, <laughs> utility belt gets like its own movie. I don't know, it's just hilarious. It's like everything but Robin. Everything else around Batman gets a movie, but he doesn't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have any of you been watching Titans, though? The no. new season started recently? We're four I, I episodes meant, in? I meant to start it again, and I always run out of time because... You know, by the time we get the kids to bed and then the wife and I watch a show, you know, it's already getting late. I wanted to start it again because I was watching it by myself. And then I saw some of the promo images of what Nightwing looks like in the show. And I'm like, oh, man, he looks really good. His costume looks awesome. His costume is actually with my son, Chris, and I uh, is is our actually biggest gripe. Uh-oh. About the series, <laughs> in, 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 I mean the thing is the the David, model of it you want looks landmine. good. You want the, the high disco it. collar, don't you, Brian? I know you want that disco it, collar. It, uh, <laughs> the, the the model of it looks good, but when he's wearing it, he looks like a guy that's swimming in like a football, you know, mm. pads that are just too big for him. And they need to tighten it up and make it you know more form fitting to him. But they yeah, put too much armor on. Yeah. Can't do that. But, but that's, that's, a, who said there wasn't a Robin movie? I have something to offer if you're not already familiar with it. There was a promo and a, a, a demonstration reel that was made by a production company 
called Grayson. Oh, yes. About, what was it? Five to seven minutes? Something yeah. like that. That is a great. So. It was put together by John Fiorella when he was a film student. And um, he spent, I think, as much money on that as Kevin Smith spent on Clerks. <laughs> and he pulled music from all, all sorts of sources. But uh, he, you know, basically got, you know, a what if Batman died? What would happen with Robin? And uh, really, really good, uh, good editing, good use of, of, of the characters and costumes. And uh, just, yeah, just uh, the, the music and everything he put in there just keeps amping it up more and more as it, as it increases. It's the greatest movie never made. Right. You swear that it's a movie pre -move, uh, preview trailer. Yeah, because it looks like a trailer. trailer. But boy, that's what it feels like. If you guys have not found it, Seek it out. I don't know if it's on the internet. Probably it's, it's on, on YouTube, YouTube someplace now. now. It's called is, Grayson. This, yeah, it was made in about 2004. Oh no, and, sooner, earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, but but what the the point is is that the um they they've never upscaled the video to mm. 4K or 8K or anything okay. like that. So you're probably going to get it in maybe 480. Um, you know, but it so it it's you know you 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 just have to live with the the quality of the video on it. But Who yeah, copies go. on DVD were being sold at uh, conventions for, uh -huh. I don't know, 10, 20, 20 bucks a copy. It was absolutely the hottest property. People, they were playing it at, at a con that I was at, you know, in the dealer's room, and crowds were literally standing around the monitor with their jaws dropped, going, When does this come out? Oh yeah. my God, I got to get a copy of this. How many there's, do you there's have? a scene where, where, where oh. Robin takes a swing at Superman? <laughs> It's just so damn funny. Yeah, it's it's absolutely worth the price of admission, guys. Yes, you guys out. watch it tonight. Look it up. It's on YouTube. Speaking of movies, there's something else we should probably bring up before we, we close. Uh, Wakanda Forever. Has anybody seen it yet? Not no. yet. No. It, it's interesting. Just timing is so bad, but it's it made 20 mil, 28 million in previews before the weekend even started. So it's probably going to, you know, break a bunch of records. So, Nigel, how does that work for you in Japan? Do, is, is it just the English uh, audio track and there's the Japanese subtitles or do they dub it? They do both. Usually they 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 show a version of the film uh, dubbed into Japanese and they also show the original version in English with Japanese subtitles. That's how it was when we were we were visiting. One of my bucket lists was to see a kaiju film in Japan. So we saw Kong yeah. Skull Island and oh, we yeah. were in Tokyo. And it was just the English movie with uh, yeah, sub Japanese, Japanese sub subtitles underneath it. Yeah. yeah. I always go to that. Yeah. That showing. Um, yeah. The only thing is, they also do the. Uh, they do the 4D, 3D thing now, you know, with the surround and effects and everything. If you, know. you want to watch film, yeah. if you want to watch and feel the film and everything. Um, they only do that in Japanese dubbing. Hmm. So, yeah. If you, so you can't see that in English hmm. uh, if you want to go to the, 4, to the 4D, 3D thing. I will say this, uh, the Jap Japanese audiences are the most polite theater audiences. When we went and saw that, they don't talk, yes. they don't get up, they wait yes, until yeah. all the credits were done, they, they got do, up, yeah. quietly moved, very, very polite. 
Yeah, they wait till the very end. Now, that's okay if it's like a Marvel film where you know there's going to be a post-credits scene or something. Yeah. But I can't understand why they don't don't leave when the film's over, if that's it. I mean, because... Uh, it's almost like, Britain, I guess, yeah, they want to pay respects and see all yeah, the credits, I guess. Uh, in Britain, as soon as the film's over, uh, we're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's how it is here too. Yeah. So, what yeah. did they shoot you? Would they shoot you dirty looks, Nigel? If you just got up and started walking out? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't look back. They <laughs> 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 oh. probably probably do one or two of them. Yeah, but yeah. But but as I say, mostly I only go to watch the sort of the Marvel films or the yeah or the DC films, and so there's always something to wait. Until the end for. Yeah. So you don't have to be the outcast. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, I just, I decide I'd better stay. I don't get it. <laughs> You're peer so pressure. with everybody else. But if I see somebody else go, then, then I'll perhaps go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure how it worked there. So like, thanks for filling me in. That's nice. So you can yeah. go in here and you yeah. The the show, audio. With theaters here, the the whole audience thing is not as big a deal as it used to be, um, unless they're right beside you on your left or your right. Because with the stadium seating and the special chairs and everything they're putting in all the theaters now, I can't hear anything the people below me or the people behind me are saying mm, at all. Lucky, yeah. <laughs> and and unfortunately, my wife is one of those. that's like, well, what does that mean? Well, who's that? <laughs> Now, why are they doing that? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, again. DVD and you can turn on the, the commentary channel. They'll explain it all. Oh, <laughs> uh, everybody, everybody's different. You know that. Well, yeah. Now, in, in, yeah, in Japan, we, uh, as you say, they're very polite. and They're told not to eat and not to speak during the performance. So they don't. I've never heard anybody talking. No popcorn? Yeah, but I think the idea is, and they seem to do this, they come in during the the pre-like advertisements and and trailers for future films, and that's the eating time. But when the actual <laughs> film itself starts, you know, no munching, it's it's all over. Yeah. That's the way God intended it. That's the way that I was raised yeah. in the 60s. That's, you know, that's normal. This that's why the trailers are so the screen. Don't hide in the basement. That's that's crap. You don't yell at the screen. Yes, let's Except all remember a picture show, so. John chapter 5, verse 16. Thou shalt not eat during feature film presentations. <laughs> guys as much fun as this has been i've got a good no, dinner is waiting so uh okay. yeah well, thanks, kirk. You you, kirk. Thanks, thanks thanks so much yeah thanks kirk Brian, you wanna you. take us out you talking to me i'm talking to you just when i'm taking a drink all right <clears throat> well first off nigel really want to thank you for for coming in and, and joining on this uh this one was a lot of fun and uh, I really enjoyed it. It sounds like everybody really enjoyed, you know, a lot of aspects of it. Uh, so just uh, thanks and a, a hats off and golf clap and everything. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. 
I'd like to know what our listeners think. Uh, the the other six people out there that don't write into us, uh, <laughs> we would definitely like to know what you guys think. So please write us at gotta get burned at gmail.com. That's G O T T A G E T B Y R N E D at gmail.com. We know it works because Nigel sends us emails all the time. In fact, I think the the one that we've got to read is from you. So I think we'll hold off until our next episode <laughs> to do that. Or have you read it yourself so we can no. hear it in your voice. To my account, there's at least three emails that I've sent you that you haven't read out yet. <laughs> ah, let me take I'm gonna take a look just to make sure there's we don't, we don't judge them all worthy. There's two of the there's two else when oh, there is a vetting process. Actually, right. actually, Committee. we do have one here from Jack Bond. Ooh. And uh, let, let me go ahead and oops, shut off my alarm because I already did my meds. <clears throat> uh, Jack Bond writes, A Witch for Burning. is When your episode said big, bad, scary burn stories, my mind went to Alpha Flight 19. The great beasts are up there with the elder gods as far as taking over our reality. And this may have been one of the first images I saw of the face full of teeth yeah. that has become a horror icon. There was an issue of the thing burned Drew with the, with the werewolf and Frankenstein monster, but not the, that was, but not particularly scary. It was only after these that I remembered barren blood. Maybe my mind shies away from the horror. Definitely in the case of Fantastic Four 276, Reed is stretching down into the pit for Sue, and the two demonic arms come out from the wall, grab his arm high and low. The next panel is Reed's face, and the sound effect snap. Okay, guys, give me a sec. (laughs) That one always hurts me. (laughs) And he says, uh, which when I first read it, put me in the mind of a rubber band that had been stretched too far. Final favorite I'll throw is Avengers 187. The scene on the cover is even worse, as in better, in the book. And that, of course, is with the uh, Scarlet Witch, the Darkhold, um, and Mordred, the Mystic. So, yeah. Yeah, Jack, uh, That's th- th- those are all very good ones. And, of course, uh, I-, I had mentioned that uh, FF276, I think, or maybe Tim did. But, uh, yeah, I definitely thought of that particular image of Reed's uh, arm being broken. And, uh, that yeah, that messed with me a little bit. But yeah, the 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 issue of the thing with the werewolf and Frankenstein monster—they were cool, but they were not really scary. You guys got any thoughts about his uh, selections there? Yeah, no, the, I... the Alpha Flight one. Mm-hmm. The Alpha Flight one. Yeah, I forgot all about that. And yeah, I remember when I first saw that when I was reading it. That that put the willies at me. That <laughs> that face with all the teeth coming towards you. Yeah, that was. Pretty scary. See, I'm I'm looking for that right now. I mean, how far in the book is that? It's towards the back, I think. It's and it's Alpha Flight. Oh Mountain. yes, oh yes, oh god yes, I remember that creepy. now. It's all it's just totally creepy. The head. And she goes and bites the... that guy's face off. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that back then. I've forgotten that one. And of course, now it's a, a thing, you know. Every other movie has got that. It starts with the um, 2013 remake of Evil Dead, I think. Uh-huh. People sawing off their sawing their teeth into sharp points, and yeah. Oof, Baron Blood, of course. We we did talk about that one a bit. 
And Avengers one is well, yeah, we talked about the Scarlet Witch one. I don't, I don't think actually we brought up that one during our discussion. Wait, no, it wasn't part of my list. I don't think it was anybody else's list. I'm personally yeah, disappointed in John. John should have brought it up. <laughs> I think that, I think that we actually should cover the Wonder Gore Mountain uh, storyline in, in in a very soon episode. Very soon. I would love to do the Wonder Gore storyline. Yesterday's quest. <laughs> Just so much packed into those issues. Um, you know, s- things that were mined later, so many bits and pieces of it because, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the working those guys together, Michelinie and Byrne, they seemed to throw in every little Easter egg they could and every hint that they possibly could uh, towards things that other people just flushed out and then o- outright said in later issues. And we're talking about the parentage of uh, Wanda and Pietro. Yeah. All right, stop, Brian. I can only get so hard. Come on, let's move back. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so thank you, Jack, for, for that email. Uh, we always look forward to uh, hearing from you. And, Nigel, we'll read yours at another time where we don't make you uh... uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, that, of course, we could also, uh, if you want to reach out to us in other ways, you can write to us or give us a review at Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Um, we could always use a five-star review. Five-star reviews, basically, uh, when you get more of them, it uh, widens the audience and lets more people know that you're there. And we'd love for more people to know where we are. Algorithm uh, things. Lastly, you could also just tell us what you think on facebook we have a facebook group third degree burn it's growing every day we're getting new members all the time we finally crossed the hump of 666 thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) and we're getting a you know a a lot of new people you will you will have to answer brian's question three to uh get through the front door you know, yes. Lots and things. Answer me these questions three. Air the other side, ye shall see. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Blue. No, yellow. Ah! Yellow. Ah! <laughs> All right. Well, we've gone into Monty Python. I think we're going way too far now. We'll have to go back. So, uh, guys, I've sent you all a link to that uh, trailer. Grayson, give it a watch. Tell me what you think. I'm, I'm dying to hear it. Uh, but for the rest of you, uh, please write us, let us know what you're thinking, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear us talk about next. And uh, let us know what, what, what you all think of Nigel. Nigel's awesome. But, uh, you know, we want we want to know what you guys think. So we're definitely going to have Nigel. We definitely be having Nigel back. Yes, absolutely. We have something in the works because so. he, he's picking good stuff. In his look. These guys, John and I are in the room. OK. <laughs> yes you are yes you are just pick something but you have to do the homework I mean, I've he, done plenty I know I'm just having fun with you very sensitive Brian oh quit wait who dropped no I'm just kidding <laughs> Ooh, yeah. all right Tim you want to take us out sure I want to thank John and David and Kirk for coming on. Oh, I especially thank Nigel. It's always a pleasure and we will have you back. I want to thank everybody else for hanging out this long with us. And again, as Brian said, let us know what you think about uh, Batman 3D coming at you. Uh, so <laughs> for, th- <laughs> for Third Degree Burn, I am Tim Elliott. Over there I'm is... I'm Brian Hughes. Oh, and over there yeah. is... I'm Kurt Greenfield. 
Oh, Kirk snuck <laughs> back. So yeah. smooth. So smooth. <laughs> I'm David Thompson. John I. And I'm Nigel Spink. Yay, we got it. Not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.